Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, let me be the first to officially say to you, Merry Christmas. I know you've probably heard it a lot, but officially, Merry Christmas. And we can say that, I can say that, because Christmas is actually happening tonight. And I mean that in the fullest sense. I, I don't mean that in a mere nostalgic or sentimental way, but truly. And Christmas is happening tonight because of a biblical idea that we call the Incarnation. The Incarnation is such a, a major biblical idea that we could, we could really spend the rest of our lives talking about it. And we do. Every Sunday, here at Faith, uh, in some way, in some fashion, we talk about the Incarnation. So this evening, I, I want to, to answer three questions. First, what does it mean that God has become man? Or as someone once eloquently said, what incarnation is the incarnation? Second, why on earth has God come to earth? Or why is there an incarnation? And third, where is Christ found today? For us here in Wisconsin in, in 2021, going into 2022, uh, where is God incarnating today? These are the most important questions you could ask. Because once the trappings of the season are gone, once you put your creches, your nativity scenes back into their boxes, once you put all the wrapping paper away, you put away the lights, or you, you do like many people around here do, just leave them up till next year. Who am I to judge? Once all the sentimentalities and expectations and nostalgic rememberings are all gone, once the family goes home, what's left? What remains? We remember that, oh yeah, the world hasn't really changed. At least visibly, there still really isn't peace in the world. COVID's still the thing. Misery and hardship and pain and suffering may be just right around the corner. But what continues to carry us as Christians every day of our lives is this profound mystery of the incarnation. The word incarnation means coming into the flesh. I tell my confirmation students that if you go to Taco Bell and you order a carne taco, what kind of taco are you getting? A meat taco. So when we talk about the incarnation, Jesus becoming incarnate, it means he's coming into our meat, into our stuff, into our flesh, into our mass, becoming of the same substance that we are made of, he is born truly as a man. And we confess this every week in the Nicene Creed, and, and we did tonight in the Athanasian Creed, where we say, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Christ was made man. He takes on our flesh to be with us. So what is the incarnation? What are we celebrating here at Christmas time anyway? What we are celebrating 
is the embrace of time and eternity in one person, in human flesh. The omnipotent and holy God has dwelt among us as a tiny, helpless newborn, totally dependent on his mother, whom he created, fully dependent on on his mother and father to protect him from the elements of nature that he himself also has control over. And God, at least for a little bit, relinquishes his divine attributes so that he might come low enough under the law to save us. This is the incarnation. And hear me on this. This is not a myth. This is not some feel-good moralistic story told to make people fall in line. The message of Christmas is not, you better be good and nice. That's Santa Claus. That's not Christianity. God came into time as a true man to die for the ungodly and the wicked for us. And this is true not simply because we believe it to be true or because it's helpful. It's true because it happened. Because real people actually walked and talked with God who would become man. Real people actually nailed him to a cross. Real people actually saw him alive from the dead. And real people actually wrote all this down. And real people gave up their lives defending this truth. So why does the incarnation matter? Well, you can get a sense of the incarnation and its importance anytime the baby is born. They say that babies who are not held or, or hugged enough uh, can actually stop growing. And, and if it goes on long enough, uh, even die. Researchers found some orphanages that had infant mortality rates of 30 to 40 percent simply because the babies did not have anyone to be with them. We live in a time that is starved for actual human interaction, contact, and affection. About 10 years ago, there was an apparently, and I, I kid you not, an outbreak of hugging that spawned media outrage and alarm. One major newspaper called, it, uh, called this hugging an epidemic, and it wondered if it actually led to the swine flu. Well, here we are today, where all you have to do to hug is to send a carrot emoji. If you follow the news lately about Facebook becoming meta and its plans to create an entirely digital world that can be lived and experienced and felt entirely on a screen two inches in front of your face, well, first of all, it should cause us to wonder if this is actually a good thing. You know, I, I love media. I went to grad school for digital communication, and this terrifies me because it is so anti-incarnational. And this bleeds over into our Christianity. And we try to make Christianity something that we can experience entirely in our minds, apart from our body. And we think it's, it's all about being spiritual, as if we can live it apart from what we do, live it apart from the body of Christ, all in our minds. And we do this because we try to avoid our flesh. We think we're good by simply thinking good things. And you see this whenever tragedy strikes. And when a tornado rips through 200 miles and the flurry of responses come in, sending positive thoughts your way, utterly meaningless. 
God created us, not simply as brains on a stick, but as real human beings. And the God who created us has become one of us. The Creator becomes a creature. The infinite God confines himself in his mother's womb. Just think. God could have chosen not to become incarnate. Can you imagine if if God had stayed up in heaven and and sent word down to humanity through an angel, sending positive thoughts your way? I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. You know, he could have saved a lot of trouble, a lot of time, a lot of pain if he just snapped his fingers and made everything better that way. Or at the very least, just just skip the birth, uh, come straight uh, to earth as a 33-year-old man, uh, do some miracles, and then quickly die an easy death and rise again. He would have accomplished some amazing things, but those things would mean absolutely nothing. God chooses to become incarnate. God with us. This is why Matthew records the name given to him by the prophet Isaiah. Emmanuel, God with us. And he's with us for more than simply a, a few harsh years. Christ became incarnate of the Virgin Mary so that he could be with us every step of the way, every day of our lives. As a preborn baby in the womb, as a cold and crying infant, as a nursing baby dependent on his mother, as a growing boy who needed his father, as a man whom Isaiah says there was nothing in him to attract us to him, rather he was despised and rejected, and that fully in his suffering and death under Pontius Pilate. And all of this God chooses to do in the absolute lowest and most humble way possible. Even before Jesus is born, he's humble. You know, we romanticize the the stable and and there not being any room in the inn. But remember that Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem for the census. Why Bethlehem? Because it was Joseph's hometown. So when when, when Luke says there's no room in the inn, what he means is that Joseph's own family couldn't find room for them for Mary, for pregnant Mary, in their own house. Because they perceive the child within Mary's womb to be illegitimate. They want nothing to do with Mary, and they for sure want nothing to do with the baby in her womb. And so when Jesus is born, it wasn't Joseph's family who was there in Bethlehem coming to see this baby, to hold him and hug him and love this newborn baby. He was the last people you'd expect to care about a newborn baby. It was a bunch of scraggly men, a bunch of shepherds. Jesus had to be conceived in this humble and humiliating way so that while he could be with us literally every step of the way, there would be one thing that he did not have. He was conceived not of a human father and so did not inherit the image of fallen Adam, of original sin. Jesus was born without sin. And although he was tempted in every way just as we are, although he experienced and suffered everything that we do so he can sympathize with us, still he was without sin. This is why the angel tells Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He needed to be without sin 
so that he could take ours. And he needed to become a human being so that he could be with us and sympathize with us in our sin. So why is the incarnation important? God became what we are so that we could become what God is. God became man not to judge us, not to give us more rules, but to set us free. Why the incarnation? Not so that we could all be good people, as if that's profound. But in Jesus, in Emmanuel, we see what it is like to be truly human. Humanity in Jesus is completely restored. God becomes man so that we might be recreated in the image of God once again. So that we might be who God created us to be. And this happens tonight. Right here. In this building. God becomes flesh. Christ takes on mass. Where is the incarnation found today? Well, you don't need to go to Bethlehem. Unless you want to be a tourist. The good news is you don't have to travel. You don't have to go to him. He comes to you. Christ comes to you by the power of the Holy Spirit through two specific means. Word and sacrament. This is why we call Christmas Christmas, Christ's Mass. Because it's not just a bunch of sentimentality in your head. What we're celebrating tonight is that Christ comes in bodily form, in bread and wine. The Word becomes flesh. God is with us. This is no metaphor. Just as that baby in the manger, who looked just like any other helpless baby boy, was true God in flesh and blood, so the bread and the wine that you receive looks just like any other bread and wine. But it is truly God in flesh and blood. Lord's Supper, Christ's Mass, is the answer to every problem that you will encounter this year and the years to come. Because in this meal, Christ actually joins himself to you closer to you than even the shepherds were to him, closer to you than even Joseph was to him, they could hold Christ in their arms. But you get to take Christ into your very body, into your own flesh. Because Christ comes into you, he makes you into his own body. St. Augustine famously said of the Lord's Supper, Behold who you are and become what you receive. Behold who you are and become what you receive. In everything that you will experience this year, as long as you remain connected to Christ's word and sacraments, you have Christ with you. You have all the gifts of God. And so you get to incarnate Christ to everyone you meet, to everyone you meet today until you come back again to this altar. Later tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, next Sunday, 
or whenever you come back, to be reminded again who Christ has made you and to receive once again Christ for you. I want to invite you tonight to join us for the rest of the incarnation. Walk with us. Be present with us for the whole liturgical year as we read through the profound and amazing mystery of Christ's entire life, where everything he does in his incarnation, he does for you, living for you, dying for you, rising for you, being glorified for you, and all that so that you can be forever with him and in him. We become fully ourselves because he is fully himself in us without sin. Through his word and sacraments, Christ is incarnate for you. So again, officially, Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.